everyone, and welcome back to the American Israelite Newspaper Podcast, the Let There Be Light Podcast. And today is uh, Thursday, August 4th, uh, 7 of Av, 5782. I'm one of your co-hosts, Netan L. Ted Deutsch, and I'm here with my other co-host. Julia Olson, assistant editor at the American Israelite. The quiet and, and unassuming <laughs> one. Super assuming, actually. Well, you have like a very low voice, so I keep telling you to speak. Move that microphone up to your... Yeah, yeah, right it's there. in my face. Yeah, like right there. <laughs> See, I have like this booming voice, you know, so I don't like have to sit too close to it. But yeah. you you do because you're like, sunlight, you know. It's just, I think a very, I'm a <laughs> monotone voice calms people. Is, is it a monotone? Is that what it is? Monotone? It's monotone. It's peaceful. <laughs> and peaceful and monotone. This is how I don't rile up my students when I'm teaching them. <laughs> do you throw erasers or stuff like that? No. Okay. No, I make what jokes about, that only you, like, I hit think are on, funny. Like hit him on the hand with the no, ruler. It's very and tempting, though. <laughs> very tempting sometimes. <laughs> you just they, don't get this concept. Or when they're on their phones. Oh, when they're it's on their so phone. disrespectful. This is a note to all the students. Yeah. Your professor knows, and if they're if they're like me, it's it's personal. I'm sitting here. I prepared an hour long discussion right. and activities. And you're going to pick up your phone? Facebook can well, wait. Don't some of them, like, do it in their pocket, and they do it like the, they do it in their pocket? Not anymore. No, they're oh, just they're really just ballsy. Right just right, right Yeah, they just pick it up, and you're like, excuse me. But we're, yeah, this yeah. is a lecture here. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be taking notes. Mm-hmm. And I want to be vengeful and be like, well, pop quiz. Guess what? <laughs> well, no, how about just giving them a little bit lower grade? <laughs> that happens, too. <laughs> that happens, too. Okay. All right, so our top story this week is about Rabbi Rand Burke and his uh, wife. Um, yeah, Anna Myers Burke. Yes. I went to HUC with both of them. Okay, and she, well, she, you're still in school with uh, Anna. With Anna, yep. Yeah, and then they have their son, yes. Mason, and their dog, Callie. It's a good picture. Oh. So uh, on July 1st, Rabbi Rand Burke was uh, hired by Adith Israel to be their first engagement rabbi. Mm-hmm. So what is what? So the question is, what is an engagement rabbi? Well, I think his focus is specifically on engaging people who are less active in the synagogue, right, in the temple. So we're thinking of like, if you, I mean, all across all denominations, you exactly. have like twenty to forty year olds who are just not engaging. Yes, and to hire someone young like Rabbi Burke right. to you know get out the engagement. And try to bring up those numbers, I think is such a great idea to kind of right. turn that around. So if he meets people at synagogue or he meets people mm-hmm. out in the in the community and says, Hey, you know, are you engaged? Mm-hmm. Are you, you know, do you wanna be? We'd love to have you come over for a Shabbat, mm-hmm. um, stay for Kiddish. Yeah. You know, that's that's my thing, you know, the kiddish and right. all that, you know, right. eating free you know Fair. free food. Also, I think the idea of like how do you create events? And things exactly. that will draw people in, right? right so if, right. if you have people who don't want to sit through tradi- traditional services, okay. you know, what's another way to do it? And okay. and so I think, you know, having that creativity and that youthfulness, I mean, it, it's it's only good. Maybe to go into the uh, uh, into the chapel and just mm-hmm. hang out and talk, mm-hmm. um, you know, instead of praying that day, you know, just, hey, let's do a little tour in the, mm-hmm. in the chapel. Let's talk about what the Parsha is. Yeah. I like doing that once in a while. Um, discussing with somebody else, you know, what the Parsha is mm-hmm. this week. What does it mean? All the different nuances of it and the different, you know, how to read it and all that kind of, I, mm-hmm. I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you obviously love it too. <laughs> That's what you're getting a PhD in. Yes. <laughs> all right. Um, also, it mentions uh, a friend of mine, Natalie Wolf, who's married to Scott, and she began her new term of Adith Israel's president on July 1st. Mm-hmm. So shout out to uh, Rand Burke 
uh, to his wife, Anna, their son, Mason, Callie, the dog, and the whole Addith Israel community. Mm-hmm. Um, it just features this week in the, uh, in the top story. Yeah. All right. Exciting. So, moving on to um, Aaron Roberts and his mother, Joan, on page three. And so, Aaron... Uh, graduated from with a environmental science uh, bachelor's degree from Denison University, and you were asking where's Den- Denison is a small school in Ohio. I think it might mm-hmm. be up by near Columbus. Okay, uh, it's okay. a small school. I'd I say like a couple thousands, like a thousand students per, uh, maybe per uh, like grade. That's not that small. No, my, well, it's 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 small. It's like my a, pro- mine where I got my undergrad was right. twenty five hundred students total. Okay, so yes. it might be around that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. the, like, you ever heard of uh, Antioch and Yellow Springs? Mm-hmm. You've heard, it's a small school. Okay, small okay, school. Cool. So, well, he I went I, there, right, right. I liked this story because it talked about how JVS careers helped him find a job yep. after he graduated. And having, you know, I mean, I graduated a long time ago, right. but I, was, I worked in the service industry because I couldn't find jobs. Of course, I got my degrees in creative writing and philosophy and it turns out no one hires a philosopher <laughs> so um, but having a service like that to kind of help yeah. you learn about your own skills I think would have been so helpful you yeah. know to kind of give you that reflection that you need and so this is just a great story about right. how that worked for for Aaron well Deidre Deidre Pearl Pearl does a great job she was his uh his coach mm-hmm. and helped him you know put together his resume go through what your different um skills mm-hmm. are and skill sets are and now he got a job yeah. at, a, at a, a large and local environmental company with their help, and he's doing great. Yeah, and um, I think that's just really wonderful. Um, and that's you know it's it's good that he you know he he's he's been going to be successful in his yeah. in his career his chosen chosen field. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, very nice. All right. Um, page four, we have Holy Sparks mm-hmm. pioneering ruin, and we've written a lot about this uh, Hadassah. Um, of Cincinnati, Cincinnati chapter of Hadassah is going to um, the Skirball on Sunday, this mm-hmm. Sunday, August 7th at 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. They're going to meet there, and they're going to go through the whole exhibit. Now, you've been through the exhibit several times. Yeah, yeah. In fact, actually, you wrote about, talk about how you wrote yeah. some of the things. So for, actually, so there's like a dual exhibit. There's the um, the Holy Sparks in Skirball, and then across the campus, like literally across the parking right, lot, right. is the American Jewish Archives, and they have... Um, an exhibit on Sally Presand because yes. it's 50 years of her ordination. And I wrote the label copy for that and worked with the staff okay. um, with Dana Herman right. and Lisa Frankel at um, at the archives. And it was such a great project to get to learn about to get to learn about Sally. Right, um, right. And so Sally's a part of this um, Holy Sparks and, you know, curated by um, Abby at HUC. And she's right. just a phenomenal. Abby Schwartz. Yeah, Abby Schwartz, just right. phenomenal. So right, I think right. it's a really, it'll be fun to do a docent-led tour like that. I mean, really get in there. That sounds okay. really fun. Okay, learn all about it. So if you don't have any plans this Sunday at 2 o'clock, go to, get in touch with uh, Cincinnati Chapter Hadassah and go down and, and check it out. Yeah. All right. Um, Valley Temple continues on the road series at Red Tree Art Gallery. And our friend and co, he was a guest here, yeah. Rabbi Austin Zoot was yep. here, and he's leading this, leading the charge on this. Yeah, when we, when I interviewed him for conversations with the rabbi, he talked about, you know, wanting to bring, he said, this isn't your boobies temple, you know, to bring, right. to bring How, it out on the road. Right, because you think of Valley Temple, it's on, it's on um, Spring, uh, Springfield Pike in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So how do you leave the confines of these synagogues and temples and take 
Judaism. It's like Judaism on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. I know he. It's a he went. They went to a Reds game as well, yeah. and they did. Um, I think at, at they did Shabbat at Mad Tree. Okay, so lots of cool stuff. I was like wondering that. about that. I was thinking, why would you go to a bar to have like. You know, but Adit does that with the whiskey and the word. Yeah. They go to different bars yeah. and they drink, and the rabbi, you know, gives talks Torah. Yeah, and you have to kind of get out of your comfort mm-hmm. zone and get into where the where the people are. Mm-hmm. I think Take, you have a far better chance of attracting me to an event if there's going to be beer. So oh, I would, really? <laughs> so okay. so I would go to that for sure. <laughs> All right, so it's on Friday, August twelfth. Valley mm-hmm. will be holding services at Red Tree Art Gallery and Coffee Shop in Oakley. So. Yeah, featuring cool lively site. conversation, coffee, dessert, and a service with live music. Okay. Yeah. They're taking it on the road. Yeah, and again, that goes back to the engagement that we were talking about with um, Rabbi Burke, too. You know, Rabbi Zoo, how do we reach out to these younger people? And they're I think all, this is a great all, way to do it. A lot it. of different uh, organizations are starting to reach out mm-hmm. to different places and different people and getting them involved and mm-hmm. getting them um, engaged. Right. And it's cool to see, you know, HUC students, Zoot and Burke, are all, these are all people that you have this creativity and right, bringing this right. stuff into the community. It's just cool to see that infusion of energy into the Cincinnati community. All right. Well, so from Saturday night till Sunday night is Tish B'Av when the temples were both destroyed. Right. And um, it's kind of a very sad day in the history of Judaism. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we'll be mourning the loss of the temples uh, starting Saturday night. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, also on Sunday, we should bring this up. On Sunday, August seventh, is the fifth annual Festival of Faiths, from one thirty to five at the Sintas Center. So if you're not going to HUC for the for the tour, yeah. you can go to the Sintas Center and check out the Festival of Faiths. And yeah. if you're not going to be at uh, some uh, services for Tishbav, you've got three different choices. Yeah, you've got lots of stuff you can do. <laughs> All right. So. Um, Moving on to national news, there's a federal probe investigates University of Southern California for anti-Semitic environment against a campus Jewish leader. So you want to talk about this a little bit? It's a complex story. It's a very complex story, yeah. So there was a complaint filed against the university by the um, Brandeis Center for Human Rights. Right. By the former vice president of the student government there who said she was compelled to resign her position with the school's undergraduate student government from a hostile environment of anti-Semitism. Right. Now, this is where it gets complicated. Okay. She was elected. While she was running as vice president, her signs, her campaign signs, were defaced and removed along with those of other Jewish students. So we already have this foundation right, so let's of this anti-Semitism. Okay, so her, her name is Rose Rich. Yes. R-I-T-C-H. Mm-hmm. And so she's running for the se- student, student Senate, mm-hmm. student Senate, um, vice president. Mm-hmm. There's a president and a vice mm-hmm. president and probably treasurer, secretary. Yeah. She's running for that office. Mm-hmm. And she would put up signs around the campus, hey, I'm mm-hmm. running for office, vote for me. And they were defaced. And taken down. Taken down. Mm-hmm. And also there were some anti-Semitic slogans put on yeah. them. Yeah. And she's like saying, well... And then she wins. She wins. She and did. Then, okay, she wins. And then she's like saying the university didn't um, protect her from being oh, attacked. It gets more complex. More than that. Yes. Okay. 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 So then, so finally, she does win the position. Okay. She's the vice president, and she runs. Uh, she's with the the president, who is named Truman Fritz. Okay. Now, Fritz, talk about a name, right? Truman, President Truman Fritz right, of right. the um, of the student government here at USC. Right. So then. 
basically what happens is the students then petition for Fritz's resignation or his impeachment because he's he's accused of committing racial microaggressions against students. Now, this is, of course, in 2020, so the pandemic okay. and George Floyd. You okay. have a lot of unrest, so he's okay. he's accused of this. Eventually, what, what, okay, what, okay, so let's go back. Stop. What was he doing that was considered? It doesn't say. Okay, yes. so we don't know. Was he, like, telling people to shut the... You know, right? I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard to say sh- what yeah. microaggressions he was committing. What, right, right. That's kind of like a new... That's like a $20 college word anyway, the microaggressions. I mean, yeah. what... What exactly does that mean? It's like just calling somebody a, you know, a name? No, it's like, like worse. It's more subtle than that, right? It's okay. like um, it's like saying something almost like passive aggressive or saying something. A microaggression isn't a full out aggression, but kind rather of like calling like, someone like a name. Yeah. Or like, like to talk to somebody about like the appearance of their hair. You know? Well, I don't have much hair, or like, so there's really not like, much to talk about. Um, I don't it's hard to it's hard to like okay, put your so finger we, on it. Okay, well, we need a, like so a definition been, of what microaggression is. Right. Okay. And right. so he's been accused of this. And then the impeachment petition then includes Rich, this young woman who's vice okay. president, because of her silence for not condemning the president for his racist microaggressions. <laughs> okay, yeah. so, so this is where we're getting the house of it's, cards built We're getting up there. into the weeds yeah. here. So then... The president, Fritz, resigns, and she becomes acting president. And then impeachment charges are brought against her. So it's Fritz and Rich. I know. (laughs) It's kind of hard to keep these two. The story could not get more complicated (laughs) on every level. All right, okay. (laughs) So then, then, um, basically, then the argument is made that because she's a Zionist, she's racist. Okay. Which, now, if you want to talk about a reductive argument, like... Yeah. You you cannot equate those two things. Right. I think... It's it's just getting so reductive, it, and, and it's getting so, you know, like when you start getting into these minor, 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 mm-hmm. minor arguments, it just it 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 it, it does you lo- it kind of loses its um, impact, would right. you say? Yeah, and 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 it's just kind of like what is what's your argument here? You're just arguing with yourself about like just such minute minutia. Right. And there's a there's a Yiddish word for that, and it's called narishkeit. Okay. And and narishkeit is like this is getting into this minutia of narishkeit. It just it becomes ridiculous. Okay. It's like ridiculous. It's like gonna, enough already. I'm just, gonna file that. Don't one you away. have something like better to do with your yeah. time? Yeah. So so then this of course keeps escalating, yeah. and eventually, so she's being called a Zionist and a racist and all sorts of things like that, and so finally, the um, impeachment is canceled by the school okay but then she continues experiencing anti-semitism so she then resigns and it was only after her resignation that usc really stepped forward and started to do anything and that's what made the brandeis center so curious about their behavior so i mean it'll be interesting to see how this plays out um I think we it's need a to really I mean, follow this in yeah, the paper. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll report back when we know something. But I, I mean, just the complexity of this story alone, and it doesn't help that the two have such similar names. Yeah, rich and rich. But, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. But again, this is part of that larger theme of anti-Semitism on campuses and how schools are dealing it's, with it. Yeah, it's. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Right, so we'll follow that. Mm-hmm. All right. National news, and then we get into some more national news. Okay, this is an interesting story. Yeah. <coughs> an official uh, stole $8.4 million from a Long Island Jewish day school. So the former chief financial officer of a Jewish day school 
on Long Island has been indicted on charges that he stole $8.4 million from the school. <coughs> David Ostrov used the money he embezzled from the Schechter School of Long Island mm-hmm. to buy rare cars, including a 1965 Mustang, five houses on Ritzy Fire Island, and sports memorabilia and collectible coins that he sold for a profit, according to an indictment delivered Monday by the Suffolk County District Attorney. Okay. I have two comments. First of all, someone is quoted as saying he's accused of a systematic, sophisticated, and carefully contrived fraud on a chilling scale. I'll say. Also, um, when your CFO has five houses on an island, <laughs> is no one going to be like, hey. <coughs> you're, let's see. Your salary yeah, is like $100,000 a yeah, year. Dave. And those are like, you know, a million, do- million yeah. dollars a piece. Hey, Dave, how did you swing that? No one thought to be like. Isn't five too many? No one thought to stop. Well, he probably didn't mention any of this stuff <laughs> to anybody. He's, he's not going to go bragging about it on Monday morning. I don't know. Oh, I was at my, you know, fifth house this morning. Yeah. No, so Okay, so I, 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 this was over the course of how long was he there for? Uh, I think it's 11 years. Okay, so of 11 years, he stole almost a million dollars a yeah, year. that's insane. All right, so the thing is, a lot of, you know, I know from personal experience here in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. That these day schools, they're always struggling. Mm-hmm. They're always struggling. And they're, you know, they get money from the Jewish Foundation, they get money from the Jewish Federation, it calls mm-hmm. they get donations. Mm-hmm. And they're constantly struggling. It's not easy to run a school. They get state of Ohio money mm-hmm. and they still struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is, wasn't anybody watching the yeah. watcher yeah. kind of a thing? I mean, this guy's stealing almost a million dollars a year and they're like well, we can't afford new pencils because we don't have any money. Dave's, and, Dave's know, at his can't. fifth mansion. <laughs> and he's, this guy's <laughs> buying. He drives up but we don't have any money. this 19, I don't know why. You know, this 1965 <laughs> convertible yeah. Ford Mustang. Oh, that's a nice car. Where'd you get that? Oh, you know, I bought Can it. Can you spare yeah. a piece of chalk for my classroom? You <laughs> know? Get me chalk. I, yeah, so, I thought. Who was, that was my question. There's got to be. Oversight? Yeah. Where's the oversight? Yeah. And if I, I was, what I was thinking is that if I'm a shareholder in the school, if my kid's going there, if I'm a donor, well, if I'm a member of the kids. Jewish community, right. you know, involved with the Federation at all or anything yeah. like that, I mean, I'm going to be pretty cheesed off if this is happening. Well, they don't know? even know how much it would actually, it could have been more. That's insane. All right. So uh, interesting to see how much jail time he gets. <laughs> well, he's facing up to 25 years in prison wow. if convicted. Wow. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Here it is. This, the school has approximately 260 students across its elementary, middle, and high schools. Oh, my God. That's so small. Yeah. Not that big. Wow. All right. Okay. So, uh, in international news, in Bosnia and Herzegovina, Jews are barred from political positions of power. Potential law could deepen divides. So, this is where – now, as we were talking before we went on the air – this is where you had the, um, during Clinton's administration, yeah. this was where you had all that ethnic cleansing yeah. going on. People were killing each other just mm-hmm. because they were like Muslims or you had ethnic, you know, they, you were different religion. Well, they would just go kill you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just craziness. So this is basically, there's a law in, um, in the area that says that you have to be a major, um, like member of a national group right. to run for office. And so even though like Jews, for example, are considered minorities there, uh. they can't have representation in public office, even though they have a fairly large group, they're still technically a minority, but they have a fairly large group of people who cannot get this representation now. And so it's basically like that you have this flaw written into the government. Um, and I, I thought this was a really interesting story. It's long it and is. it's really complex, but it's just interesting to see 
you know, again, to have something like that concretized into the law, what happens when you can't get representation? You should kind of like look at it as like in the old country where these people are still fighting over, they've been fighting for thousands and, you know, the Ukrainians fighting the Russians. They're basically Russians. They're just living in a different part of Russia. You know what I mean? They're, mm -hmm. they're fighting each other. These people are fighting. They've been fighting each other for like thousands of years over, there's like these different tribes. They're like tribal, very tribal. And they're just like, fighting each other over one thing or another constantly. The complexity of this, yeah. And and again to have to have that fighting almost codified into law is I mean Sad. it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Mm -hmm. I feel like I say that a lot, but all right. everything's um, ongoing. <laughs> South African foreign minister wants Israel designated an apartheid state. Mm -hmm. So that first of all that uh, that because of how Israel has treated the Palestinians Palestinians have been offered their own country for what twenty years now mm -hmm. that they've been have all their own state two state solution. They, they get so much money. You could have your own country, and and they just don't want to do it. And you know what I've heard is that the majority of people like you and me over there are fine with that. But then you just have the loud, you know, outspoken the smaller political, groups of people, political, yeah, who are saying uh, no, it's got to be one way or the other. But the average person. You know, the average well, Israeli, my friend over there who owns a restaurant over there, it's, would be happy with a two-state solution. And not only he that, but care. the, but the, the, um, Palestine, the, the Israeli Arabs that live in Israel, they're happy to live in Israel. They get democracy. They can go buy anything they want at any place. You know, they have modern stores, modern stuff, modern everything. They're happy to live in, in, in Israel. Right. There was a... Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a story, yeah, we had a story on on, on the fact that they did a poll in there, and they're happy to live there mm -hmm. because Israel is a one. It's a it's like it's like America if you go there. I mean, it's just like it's like everything's current and modern. You mm -hmm. know, you know, um, and they're very happy living there. Yeah, this is um, this it's, is a it's, tough it's, one. It's just it's disturbing. Mm -hmm. All right, um, the families of the 1972 Olympic massacre victims reject an insulting German compensation offer. So they were in Germany for the mm -hmm. 72 Olympics. This mm -hmm. is 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. They they had no security. They had yeah. absolutely no security. And now, I mean, now the Olympic villages are super. You can't, yeah. I would imagine, you cannot get into them oh, unless no, I'm you're sure. an athlete and you show your credentials. And you and they probably couldn't even steal the credentials. You're, it's probably very... You know, to very the security got really, really tight to get into yeah. those Olympic villages, and to get in there, and there was nothing back then, and they were, they were, you know, probably sued over security issues, and they won, and they've just never, um, they've never compensated these families or the victims' families right. for all the, the the deaths that took right. place. Right. So there was, yeah, there was um, the Palestinian Black September Terror Group broke into the village and took athletes hostage. Yes. Um. And to, to get an, an exchange, basically, um, right. for right. Palestinian people being held in um, jail by Israel. Yeah. And, yeah, so they haven't, Germany still hasn't been able to make a suitable offer for the families of these victims. And um, well, it's 50 years later, the, yeah. the, the, the athletes would have been 75. The, fa yeah. the parents would have been probably 90, to, you know, the parents of the athletes are 90 and 100 years old by now. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. one of them, one of the guys is dead. And his yeah. wife says um, this is a degrading offer that yeah. Germany's making. So, so they need to step up and mm -hmm. just finish this and close the book on mm -hmm. that. It's been 50 years. Right. Time to, time to move on, folks. And it's a bad look to have that still be happening 50 years later. 
All right, so the war in Ukraine is ongoing, and there were three powerful and prominent Jews in Ukraine appear to have had their citizenship stripped uh, by President uh, Volodymyr Zelensky and has reached a boiling point amid the, amid the war with Russia, and they are, I'm going to try and, I'm going to butcher <laughs> these names. So Igor Kolomoisky, mm-hmm. uh, Henied Korban, and Yadim Rabinovich. This is interesting because his motivations for this aren't exactly clear. I mean, if you had like a Russian oligarch, it would make sense. Stripped him Not of their to citizenship. Let him come right. right, right. But the the idea is possibly that he's doing this because these people are linked to some measure of corruption and he's trying to sort of show that Ukraine's on the up and up. That means that it can participate in things on the global stage like, you know, NATO. Right. Which right. is a big goal of Ukraine. Okay. But um one of the problems is is that like now you are getting rid of Jews who can flush a lot of money into the into you know the economy in Ukraine. Right, right. So you know, is this a good decision that he's mm-hmm. making? If you know, for the idea of looking above board, now you've taken a lot of economic availability out of the country. So I good mean, point, and, good and point. they also have um, dual citizenship, which is technically not allowed in Ukraine. Okay. So, but you know, reading through this article, the reasoning was not clear to me. And of course, you know, I'm not a Politico, so I, I'm sure right, it would right, make sense to right. some people, but it was a strange move on Zelensky's part, I think. So it's also Zelensky is Jewish, mm-hmm. and his I don't think his wife is, and I don't know if his okay. children are being raised Jewish. He was he was Jewish, mm-hmm. but he's like picking on three Jews here, right? So that is kind of questionable to me to begin with. Not only that, and he, these people have so. They would just be, you don't think this, they knew about, why would somebody even want to stay in that country? You know, they might have their own security forces and stuff around them, but I would be like in Israel. I'd be like, you know, they, they, if they have duels, they'd be in Israel. I don't, what do you need that for? You could get shot or something like that when you're there. I would be in Israel where it's safe and you could be, you know, you, you're worried about your, your personal safety. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it's. It seemed like a not an unclear reasoning. Why? So that uh, that might come out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. What's going on there? All right, uh, beach bummer. Oh yeah. In Israel, there's an unusually large jellyfish swarm converging on Israel's coast. Now this is uh, for clarification, because um, we had trouble with this when we were trying to edit this. Uh, that the swarm is what's unusually large. It's not a swarm of jellyfish who themselves are unusually large, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which I okay. would be interested in. But this this really is a bummer, right? When I was in Israel, the, all I wanted to do was constantly get to the water. Oh, you, you went know, to the beach? All the time. Tel Aviv? All over. A lot? Haifa. Haifa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's hot. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, when you have a chance to get away from the excavation, yeah. to throw myself in the water. I live in Ohio, so, like, forgive me for <laughs> wanting get to, to get... Beach. Yeah, like, uh, the beaches here are suspect. We have, well, we do have... Well, no, you can go to Cowan Lake, where I go kayaking. There's a nice beach okay, there. Okay, that's good. You can go me. hang out there. Okay. Yeah, we go... We go And at where I go kayaking at Caesars Creek, they have a beach, too. Okay, I'm always so looking for places to bring Cowan Lake. Lake is about... Uh, Cowan, uh, Cowan Lake's about 45 minutes. Okay. Um, you go up... Uh, 71 to 36, mm-hmm. you turn 36 to, uh, and you turn right, and you turn right again, and it goes to 350, mm-hmm. and 350 goes all the way out to Cowan Lake, and then there's a little sign, beach, go down the little thing, and it drives you right down to the oh, beach, and there's, nice. a, there's a nice beach, it's a, yeah. actually a very nice beach, like a sandy brown uh, colored sand. Okay. 
Well, that's we good to know. We were just out there on I'm always, Tuesday. Always looking for a good beach. That's this, it's not that it's about forty five minute drive. Worth it. Yeah. yeah. But this is a bummer because you know okay. if you're there, if you're visiting, you know we have a lot of we know a lot of people who are over there visiting. Right, right Wakabia now, summertime, like summer. Yeah. Too, so you know to have uh, to the fear of being stung by a jellyfish when you're going to the water. That's one of my biggest fears. So I would just not. So be what are they? In that. What are they? Are they? They're, I'm sure they're studying this, mm-hmm. but they don't know the reason why they yet. Think but it's they're pollution. studying. Oh, they think the pollution. Yeah. So they're in other parts of the Mediterranean. So they're coming where mm-hmm. it's not polluted. Right. Something like that. Or that it's yes, yeah, something is causing pollution tends to equal more jellyfish. He says. Okay. The scientist okay. says so. All right. Yeah. Um, philanthropist Sylvan Adams cuts ribbon on world's largest emergency room at Tel Aviv's. Mm-hmm. Ikalov Hospital. I've never heard of the Ikalov, but there he is. Um, and uh, that's uh, Israeli-Canadian businessman Sylvan Adams. So I was talking before that we got on. They have a lot of, uh, well, you have terrorist attack there. You've got shootings and people are getting shot. So like we were saying, like at UC Hospital, that's like the number one trauma center in the in city because when someone gets shot, like right now, if someone mm-hmm. gets shot, like wherever, they take them to UC yeah. immediately because that's like the number one trauma center because they mm-hmm. deal with gunshots. Mm-hmm. And you have a better chance of surviving where they deal with gunshot wounds right. all day long, every night, you know, day and night. They know what to do. Mm-hmm. They know how to stabilize you. They know how to get the, you know, and, and you'll have a better chance of living yeah. if you're in a place. So this is kind of in israel that's going to mean that too like people that are you know on a bus and there's a bomb on the bus and blows up and you get shrapnel and all that and um just different you know emergencies um there's constantly emergencies going on in any any place and you know israel is at the helm of a lot of medical innovation Mm -hmm. they created that pill camera you know the pill camera that you swallow yeah that was invented there so i mean this is just another step in there in there, you know, being in the forefront of, you know, the global medical market. Yeah. And yeah. this guy, he made a $28 million donation, okay. which is, I mean, a good way to use your money. I'm yes. not going to complain yeah. about a rich guy building yeah. a hospital. Right. So, right. Yeah. And my favorite part is that the facility will be equipped with robots that greet you. Okay. And help you you were talking about the robots. <laughs> it's just, it's, we're getting closer to the Jetsons, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Uh, this week is Back to School Issue and Back to School Guide, starting on page uh, 13. And, you know, it's August 4th today. It's Thursday, August 4th. Right. And I was saw on the news, and two weeks from today, two weeks, is uh, Cincinnati Public School starts up, August 18th. Now, we were talking before, like, you know, you used to get off, you'd get off Memorial Day, which was May 31. Now mm-hmm. they get off a little bit earlier, almost like the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. And um, you get off, you know, so you're off May, June, July, and then you go back to school starting August. Mm -hmm. But it used to be you would start, like, uh, Labor Day, which is, like, September 4th or 5th, usually, something like that. Yeah. And we always started, when I was a kid, we always started after Labor Day. Right, right. Now it's it's like starting in August. Yeah, too early. A month earlier. I'm not prepared. I have to teach a class starting on the 22nd. (laughs) Okay. All right, well, every uh, synagogue and um, day school in the city has a listing in uh, this guide. And if you don't have a place to send your child for day school or for religious school, check it out. Um, Suggest it to your friends. We go through a very, um, it's very detailed, very detail-oriented. Yeah. All right, well, the story that we we talked about adding a a story because we, 
we needed some uh, a story in the in the paper. And so we, we picked out this one. It says, 10 reasons to send your student to a Jewish day school. And I am thoroughly um, in agreement with these reasons. I think sending your child to a Jewish day school is like the first, you know, start with your children, educating your children. They are the future. They are going to grow up and then and then continue upon the path of Judaism. Yeah. And it's very, I mean... We, there's 10 reasons, so uh, grounding, uh, ethics, community, history, and roots, mm-hmm. uh, a superb education, whole child, and a well-rounded, so they're educating the whole child and a well-rounded curriculum, soul and social responsibility, relationships, uh, progressive education, and uh, for the future, Yeah. and uh, educating them for the future. So I was going to bring this up in my... Uh, my Rosh Hashanah editorial, but I will bring it up now. If you know, in, in, in our quest to continue our engagement, uh, we know that they're reading, we, we know that they go to our website. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's equally balanced between, you know, 18 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50, 50 to 60, 60 above. It's about 20% each category. But, um, we get over a million hits a month on our website from all over the country, all over the world, and especially Cincinnati. But if you know anybody, and I'm just sending this out there, if you know, and it, it has to be in town, not out of town. Mm-hmm. If you know anybody that's, you know, 15, 16 to 35, I will give them a free paper. I'll send it to their ad, like if they're getting their first apartment or something like that, and they're not. And I think... By reading the paper, they'll start engaging in the community. I yeah. think that's the first step. Getting that, they're like, oh, because you know, I, I go to different places around the city and meet um, different people that are. You know, I'm out on sales calls constantly, and I meet people. They're not Jewish, right. but we send them the paper, and they're like reading the paper, and like, I never knew that about this, this, and this. And I'm yeah. like, really, and I start getting into discussions with people that are not Jewish, mm-hmm. and I'll start talking about. You know, I never knew this program existed, or I knew never knew about Israel and this thing that was going on. I and we sit down. I usually sit down and start talking to them about all kinds of different stories. Right. So if you do know somebody that's eighteen to thirty-five or seventeen or thirty-five, send us their information, and we will set them up with a paper. We'll set them up with a pre- free paper. So it's send it to publisher at americanisraelite.com, or you can go to our website, American Israelite, and it's on there, and you can. There's a form you can fill out, but send that to us, and we will set them up with a paper. And I'm going to continue this theme for a while. Yeah, I think that's cool. You know, yeah. I was at Cafe Alma, and I heard I overheard two people talking, and the reason they went there is because they read a review in the Israelite. Really? So, yeah. So you know, and especially if we're talking about you know youth engagement. Yes. I mean, the community calendar is a great way to learn about stuff that's yes, going on, yes, and also yes. like think about you know with that age group that you just mentioned finding a job. Now they would have right, an opportunity right, to read right. about JVS careers and fi- yeah, so helping many, them with yeah. the resume and, and yeah, and, and, and and going they might not skills. know about that if right, they right. if they're not reading the paper. Right, so I think right. this is a great idea. Okay. All right. So we have a couple of corrections this week. Mm-hmm. So in the uh, issue uh, last week's issue, which was. Volume one six nine number three page four. Uh, I don't know. This, we, is my this fault. was. I, it's actually not you. No, it's okay. So on Thursday, July twenty eighth, we incorrectly said Dr. Howard Tucker passed the Ohio bar 
when he was six years old. Impressive. So uh, he was six when he passed the American but he actually was 67 years old. Yeah. But that's so it's impressive that he yeah. passed it at six years old. It's even more impressive that he went, he was a doctor, yeah. went back to law school at like 60 something, mm -hmm. and he'd be like my age. Yeah, you know, my age, and bar. he went back to bar the bar uh, law school and passed the bar at sixty seven. Yeah, and it was so he was a doctor and a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he lives in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, and now he's a hundred years old. Yeah, yeah, he's doing good. And also, there was a couple of uh, typos in the uh, age well and Jewish family service um, uh, senior living guide, so we rec we corrected those. Those are on page eighteen. Mm -hmm. So this week's Parsha is Parsha Devarim. And so we begin the, the book of Deuteronomy this mm -hmm. week. I love the book of Deuteronomy. Why do you love yeah. the book of Deuteronomy so I, much? I think it's just, you know, Moses' closing speeches. Yes, and, yes, And also, yes, you yes, know, yes. The, the author of Deuteronomy has a different take on the laws than the author of Exodus Leviticus. Okay. So you get to okay. see kind of a difference of opinion. Okay. And Deuteronomy kind of does this thing where, you know, the reason Moses recaps all that history is because the Deuteronomist had a different story that he wanted to tell. Okay. So he uses the opportunity for, he puts it in the mouth of Moses, the greatest authority in the history of Israel, okay. you know, other than okay. King David. And so, so it, I, it's, I just love it. And I love, you know, at the very end, then he dies, and it's just so sad. I always get really choked up when I teach Pentateuch to my students. Yeah. I always have such a hard time. And then, of course, you know, I just, it's just so sad. He's So one of the things I've been doing, and, and I'll talk about my favorite uh, thing in the whole world. So I've started to, I went back, when I was younger, I read um, the Tanakh, you know, the, 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 the you know, uh, the Torah every week. And mm -hmm. I also went through and read all the Nevi'im, mm -hmm. which is all the prophets and all that. And I've and I, I put that down for a number of years, and now I went back and I'm start. So every week I read the Torah, mm -hmm. and now I'm starting to read uh, the prophets again. Nice. And I'm in Joshua now, and it's there's a lot of them, and it's like its whole it's his whole own book basically. Oh, yeah. So it's going to take me several years to go through it again. Yeah. But I will always tell, you, and I always tell you this, when uh, it, Moses uh, is giving his speech, and he's. He was about to hit. It was like one of his uh, when when the when the Jews were contentious with him. Mm -hmm. and he's like, you know, there are stiff-necked people and blah blah. Mm -hmm. And my favorite my favorite quote is he, he Moses says to, to to Hashem, he says, "Just kill me now. <laughs> <laughs> just kill me now. I can't deal with these people anymore. I just I can't deal with them. I can't deal with them. It's always something, you know. So I mean, if you want to come sit in my seat for mm -hmm. a little bit." Uh, you will probably know. I think we should <laughs> point out to the listener that he's pointing at his own desk in yes, the office yes. of if the Israelite right now. you want to come sit in my chair. So I think he identifies yes, with Moses, do. and yes, we, yes, the staff, are the mumbling, grumbling, <laughs> contentious no, no, no. no, that's all the people. Well, we also have like 31,000 uh, critics out there in the that's community. True. Yes, yes. And that's the, true. Yes, uh, they're but, always criticizing us over one thing or another. Yes, constantly. So. But we love <laughs> them. We love now. them. <laughs> just, yeah, that's why he's like, just kill me now. That's just so kill me now, Hashem. And uh, let's just move on. Moses really goes through it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we get to our page or from the okay. pages. And the Jewish Bicentennial. Each week, the American Israelite will print one milestone related to the history of the Cincinnati Jewish community over the last 200 years, provided by the Jewish Cincinnati Bicentennial Committee. Each milestone weaves Jewish history within the greater context of our community's development and our country at large. All right. 1947, Jacob Rader Marcus establishes the American Jewish Archives, 
on the campus of Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. Great. And you have a yeah. connection with them. I do. Yeah, with yeah. HUC and the AJA. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, you want to, I'll read, I was going to read this. Uh, this is from August 2nd, 1872. So mm-hmm. the, the author would be Rabbi Isaac Merwise. Yeah. The founder right. of this very paper. The okay. founder of HUC. All right. All right. JR. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Eden Park Elevator. This is quite interesting. This is 1872, August 2nd, 1872. The park commissioners are out of, out, sorry, let's start over. The park commissions are out for proposals to finish the stone entrance of Eden Park, which is, is if you're driving on Victory Parkway, it's right when you come in, there's the overlook, mm-hmm. and then you drive in and you, helmet, on the left will be uh, a Crone Conservatory, so it's right mm-hmm. there at that big archway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they're just uh, building that, finishing right. that up. So we are of the opinion that the stone entrance is not worth what it has already cost <laughs> and that more money should not be expended upon it at present. It may be all very well to lay out money for a park, but it is not clear that large sums of it should be invested in obstructions to the entrance upon enjoy- and enjoyment of it. Let the entrance stand and turn your attention to getting up an elevator to carry the Fulton, the Fulton, that must be the Fulton, the Fulton neighborhood, neighborhood yeah. poor into the park at a cent apiece and return if, if, that, if that will pay expenses. As it stands, the access to the Eden Park for half a mile near the dresses population is practically cut off by the steep cliff bank, which can only be overcome by the speeded modern invention of the elevator. A Fulton elevator would not immense, would, sorry, a Fulton elevator would do immense credit to the park commissioners and to the city, but that would be nothing to its value to the universal crowd of poor people, mainly women and children and old persons, who are now shut up on small, hot rooms. Shut, well, shut in on. Mm-hmm. Uh, hot rooms night as well as day. If they could get into the park, it would gladden and prolong their lives and perhaps justify the great expense of these choice luxuries of the poor green grass, fresh air, and the open sky. Less entrance and even smaller music with the elevator would be, a be- would be better. The commissioners may rest assured that they cannot have an elevator going up a moment too soon. I love this. And Isaac Mayerwise just trying to make sure that the poor people can enjoy the park. I mean, that's great. Looking out for the least among us, right? Yes, he is. All right. So you got any? Th- which one? Which ones do you like? I liked. Uh, oh, so seventy-five years ago, we have the release of Captain Bernie Marx is urged by Zionist groups and Women Federation. So this is a story that's been popping up and from the pages seventy-five right, years ago. Right. The Exodus, nineteen forty-seven, was um, captured by the British as it was trying to make um, is trying to land at Haifa and bring forty-five hundred Jewish refugees to live right. in Israel. Right, right. And um, of course, the British warships basically tried to the, to capture it. They did capture it. There was a hunger strike. And now they have, at this point in the story, they have arrested Captain Bernie Marks, who's the first mate. He's right. from Cincinnati. Right. And he's being held there. So, of course, Cincinnati organizations are appealing for aid, and they're also raising money to try to pay his bail. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so at this point, and we'll hear more about this next week in our next issue, but he is still being held there at this time right. that's uh, july 31st check it out this is all on page 20 so uh 25 years ago um springer to be guest auctioneer at valley fundraiser the valley fund valley temple 
will hold their gala auction four at the temple on Sunday, September 14 at 6 p.m. The guest auctioneer for this fundraising event will be Jerry Springer. Mm. It will be a casual evening that includes a light dinner, music, and a chance to bid on items in both the silent and main auctions. All right. Um, So this is 10 years ago. Cedar Village 13th Annual Golf Classic, Come for the Golf, Stay for the Brisket. The Cedar Village Golf Classic has become famous for its kosher brisket dinner. According to Sally Corkin, Executive Director, Cedar Village Foundation, our dinner crowd keeps growing. We even have non-golfers who come out just for the brisket. Now, Sally Corkin just made our newspaper not too long ago for the Last week, she's the president of uh, Rockdale. Rockdale. Right. Um, and so I was at this, I was playing in this. Thing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I was I, playing in that. I put it in. I had some of that brisket. I, I put it in because Sally Corkin, I was interested to hear that. Yeah. And also, I'm a vegetarian, but that brisket <laughs> sounded really good. Sounds tasty. <laughs> All right. Um, dining out, sugar and spice is close to opening a new blue ass location. So they have um, down at the original location mm-hmm. on Reading Road, they now have one in OTR. Mm-hmm. It's like the diner. I think yeah. it was the diner. And now they're building one in Blue Ash at Summit Park that's opening, I think, in the next month or two. Yeah, this had me craving hash browns really bad. Hash so. browns, pancakes, hash browns, mm-hmm. fluffy omelet. All right. Um, so Lori Kleiner Eckert has her uh, Living and Learning column in this week. Check that out on mm-hmm. page 24. And a book review by Cheryl Pockros. Um, she did a review of a kosher cookbook. I thought this sounded, I wanted to buy this cookbook. It was a thorough review of it. She points out there is a little bit of difficulty with some of the um, the smaller type and things like that. But, I mean, she really, I really wanted to look into that. She She does an excellent job. She really does. I can't say enough. And so does Lori and so do our other columnists. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, in fact, I was going to announce, but I'm going to wait, but we're going to be adding some more columnists. But I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. This who is they are. breaking news to me. Breaking right news. Now yes, it is breaking table. news. <laughs> All right. So then we get to national, and I wanted to read this because this is actually very interesting. I was reading this yesterday at lunch. So Bob, and then we'll do death notices. Bob Rafelson, R A F E L S O N. Bob Rafelson, a Jewish trailblazer of New Hollywood and creator of the Monkeys, dies at 89. There's actually a typo in here. Which I'll point out. All right. So this is from JTA. Children of the 60s knew him for a beloved boy band sitcom. Children of the 70s knew him for upending Hollywood as they knew it. Bob Ravelson, who died at his home in Aspen on July 23 at the age of 89 from lung cancer, was a Jewish titan of new Hollywood. A regular collaborator of Jack Nicholson and a director and producer of work that would go on to influence a new generation of filmmakers. Often aided by copious amount of drugs, <laughs> Rafelson bridged the gap between mainstream Hollywood and the country's then thriving counterculture scene, introducing various bad boys, free spirits to the masses with cutting edge fare like Five Easy Pieces, Easy Rider, and The King of Marvin Gardens. Born in New York to a Jewish family of hat makers, Rafelson was a nephew of Samuel Rafelson, the playwright who huh. authored The Jazz Singer, huh. which was uh, uh, Al Jolson. Sure. Okay. This is the first ever talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the story of a candor son who becomes a nightclub singer, who, which would later become the basis of the first ever movie with sound. 
that's his uncle. Rafelson developed the original concept for the monkeys. And see, I, I still, they still have the monkeys come on on Sunday mornings on uh, MeTV, like 5.2. Okay. Really? Once in a while, That's yeah, Davey yeah. That's Davy Jones, right? Yeah, yeah, Davy Jones, he, Peter Tork, Michael, uh, Michael Nesbitt. Sure. Yeah, see, I would, I watched those yeah. when I was growing up. All right, so um, concept of monkeys, a fictional rock band closely modeled on the Beatles that formed the basis of a mega popular 1966 sitcom and series of albums. The success of the show and its music led to a blurring of the lines between real and fictional. As the Monkees became as big as a, a big a band as any other of the time period and won their creator an Emmy. With the proceeds from the Monkees, Rafelson entered a period of wild experimentation that would, would form the basis of what would become New Hollywood creator-driven, low-budget films, heavily inspired by European new fairs, often featuring loose, free association plots and made in a collaborative net setting. He and Nicholson, Jack Nicholson, teamed up to make Head, a 1968 film starring the monkeys that was far out, plotless, and trippy. <laughs> Audiences hated it. <laughs> but Rafelson found his calling with his new, with his Jewish friend, Bert Schneider, with whom Ravelson had also worked on The Monkees, and childhood friend Steve Blauner, he formed a new production studio, BBS Productions, and helped to produce Dennis Hopper's 1969 classic, Easy Rider, about two mo motorcyclists on a cross-country road trip. The following year, Ravelson co-wrote and directed Five Easy Pieces, another era-defining road movie starring Nicholson as a former piano prodigy turned drifter who works in an oil field. The film was nominated for four Oscars and helped make Nicholson a major star. Roger Ebert called it a masterpiece. Rafelson next produced Peter Bogdanovich's The Last Picture Show and would direct Nicholson again in The King of Marvin Gardens, cementing his reputation as a key figure of the new Hollywood movement and BBS's reputation as a clubhouse for all of the film industry's cool kids. BBS faded after the mid-1970s, but Rafelson continued to direct into his later decade, including a 1981 remake of, no of the noir classic, The Postman Always Rings Twice. That was a screenwriter's debut of, Jew sorry, that was a screenwriting debut of Jewish playwright David Mamet. He also continued a lifelong creative partnership with Nicholson. His final feature film directing credit was the 2002 thriller No Good Deed, starring Samuel L. Jackson. Filmmakers, including Quentin Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson, have spoken often of their admiration for New Hollywood and Rafelson's work. Tarantino would later call Head, obviously one of the most inventive movies ever made. Wow. Huh. Quite a resume. <laughs> Quite a resume. All right, so we move on to death notices. Uh, Paul Stephen Rosen, age 56, July 27, 2022, 28, Tammuz, 5782. <coughs> uh, Peg Better, Ni Fei, um, age 73, July 29, 2022, the 1st of Av, 5782. Jacqueline Cohen, Ni Levine, age 91, July 30, 2022, 2nd of Av, 5782. And Nina Galad, Ni Mason, age 97, July 31st, 2022, 3rd of Av, 5782. All right. So we also have an ad for Russia Shana. Mm -hmm. 
and we're starting to work on Russia Shana and Russia greeting uh, issue. So the deadline is going to be September 15th, 16th, and it comes out on the 22nd. Uh, Russia Shana starts Sunday night, I think the 25th. Yep. All right. Sounds so good. we move on to our best and favorite thing <laughs> of the week. Bad joke of the week. <laughs> All right. Two order. Uh, so wait a minute. Uh, from the big Duke of sorry, from the big book of Jewish humor, twenty fifth anniversary, edited and annotated by William Novak and Moshe Waldock. Waldocks. Two older couples are having dinner together. Two older couples are having dinner together. As the wives clear the table, the men continue talking. How says one. Last night we went out to a terrific new restaurant. You've just you've got to try it. Sure, says his friend. What's it called? Um, wait a minute. What's that red flower you give to someone you love? A carnation? No, no, the other one. A poppy? No, no. You know, it's red and has thorns. You mean a rose? Yeah, that's it. Then turning toward the kitchen, he yells, Hey, Rose, <laughs> what's the name of that restaurant we went to last night? <laughs> <laughs> I think he forgot his he forgot his wife's name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. This has been a another uh, gangbuster week here at the American Israelite Podcast and Let There Be Light Podcast, available on every platform you can think of. That's right. Any any closing art, closing words you want to say to the audience? And no. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Oh, yes. If what? you know what? someone who wants to be an assistant editor yes, yes. at the American Israelite, that's the job I have. I love it. Okay. Uh, great hours, great work. No day is like a, the same. It's, no, there's always, always new different. fun yeah. stuff. And yeah. I mean, you get paid well, to Well, we read have the to news. say goodbye to Brian. Yes. Brian oh. is leaving on Friday. He's got a job. Teaching so, job out in yeah. Michigan. Yeah, in Michigan. Boy, Where, you... You pick it's, up a lot of smart people at this office. You got two PhDs working here right now. I know, I know. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Ted's got good taste. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks everybody for joining us, and everybody have a great week and a great uh, and an easy fast for those fasting on uh, Tishbab and an easy time on Tishbab and a great Shabbos. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you all next week. See you next week.